Well, that is uh, fast becoming one of my new favorite songs. I have favorite verses that change a lot, um, but uh, I, I love that song, yeah, especially that last verse, the, the quickening ray. I rose and went forth and followed thee, and I'm thankful that he redeems us and uses us, and, and uh, what, an, what an amazing message in that song. Appreciate Sean playing the piano for us today. And uh, just what a blessing to have talent in our church. God is placed here, and uh, I'm very, very grateful for each one's willingness to serve. Psalms chapter 73 this morning. I titled the message, Until I Went. Until I Went. And uh, this is a psalm of Asaph. He writes this psalm, and we're going to read the whole chapter, all 28 verses, and break it down into, into just a couple sections here. I have three points for this chapter. Um, and uh, first point this morning is the wicked prosper, and that is a question. <laughs> the wicked prosper, question mark. Um, and then number two is the wicked are judged. And number three, the just proclaim. Uh, reading this passage again this week and and uh, I can relate to it, and a lot is what, what is said here um, as he's talking about the wicked and those around him, and it's interesting in one, cha- in one verse here, we'll read in a little bit, uh, Asaph was at a point, he said he was well nigh slipped, he well nigh slipped, at a point of going back, he was a point of, of distraction or a point of backsliding here as he looked at the lost. And I, I read this chapter, and I'm reminded the appeal of the world and the apparent success of the wicked is, is, is distracting to us. And sometimes we, we, we'll have the same mind as Asaph. Asaph here said he was jealous of the wicked. And we can be that way. We can look around and wonder as well and, and think, why are they so prosperous? Why do those that hate God seem to prosper? And in the worldly mind, they do. So I want to look at this, but I want to mostly focus on the last point tonight, and my last point, the just proclaim, and ask the question, what does my life proclaim about my God? So verse 1 says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are, as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, and their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither do, are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, and they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily have my, have I, cleansed my, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. 
When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. And then he changes here. This, this, is his, this is his complaint, and this is where he was saying he was. And then he said in verse 17, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then, I underst- then understood I their end. Surely thou dost set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one waketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me up by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish, but thou hast destroyed all that, or thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for our time this morning. Thank you that you are near. And Father, as we look in your word, help us to grow in our faith. Help us to examine ourselves this, this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would show us if there is areas that need surrendered to you. Lord, I know that each one of us need to grow. I know that each one of us need your Holy Spirit to strengthen us today. Use your word, Lord, in a mighty way, and we'll praise you for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. It's, it's such an interesting chapter to me, and, and uh, I think I preached on this a couple years ago, but I don't remember exactly. If I didn't, I meant to, or I thought I might. I read this, and, and this, is the way, this is where we can be, isn't it? In the first part of this chapter, we look around and we see the wicked prospering. And I wonder, why doesn't God strike that individual? Things are said, or things that are done, and I wonder, how does he allow this to go on? Abortion, to me, is one of the greatest evils that we have in our nation. And it goes on. And I see these interviews of abortion doctors, or those that have had abortions, and they will talk about how, how um, proud they are of what they do, or what they've done. And it's, it's disheartening, it's, it's maddening, really, when you look at it and you think, you've took, taken the life of an innocent child, you murdered someone and you're bragging about it. And we can be like, we can be like Asaph here. But I also was thinking, just, just the appeal of the world, as, as Asaph is looking around, he said in verse 3, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. My mind started looking, I, my eyes started looking around, and I started thinking, boy, they have it better than me. And he's saying in this verse, I was starting to think about compromise. My foot was well nigh slipped. I was, I was tempted to go back into these things. And I was also thinking about Asaph. Asaph lived in a time with none of the modern technologies we have. He didn't have access to all the information that we have. It's amazing if you sit down and watch a football game 
All the things that you will see that you have to have, this will make your life perfect. <laughs> You'll be so happy if you have the newest vehicle, uh, the, the, the newest trend that's coming out. I've never understood trends. I've never understood fashion. It's all nonsense to me. But it, is, it, it, is, it can be a distraction to us. And we look at these things and we start being jealous of those who have, have all these things. And they're the wicked and we know it. I was In verse 4 and 5, Asaph says they're carefree. There are no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. This is his perception. Now, obviously, he's wrong. But that's the perception that we get. We look at them in the world and we're like, boy, they don't have a care in the world. They got it made. As I, as I think about this, I think of professional athletes. I like football. You watch those guys and, and some of them are making, quarterbacks now are making over $40 million a year. Just ridiculous money. And they are portrayed as these guys that just have it all. Tom Brady has it all, carefree in his life. And we can look at it, and we can get that perception. He said they're carefree. Verse 6, he says they're proud. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. They, they are arrogant. And, <laughs> boy, if you, want to, if you want to hear arrogance, listen to a professional athlete be interviewed. Or listen to a politician. I'm amazed at the arrogance of our politicians. No longer servants. They're there to tell us how to think and to live because they have it figured out. They're proud. They, they're successful. Verse 12 says, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. We look at them, we're like, well, they're successful. They have everything a man could ever want. Bill Gates, what, is it, what does he lack? He lacks nothing. If he wants something, it's there. He can go and get it. Or he can have it brought to his house. Somebody go across the world and bring me back that Italian item that I so desire. It's all there for him, no matter what he wants. And this is what we see the ungodly. They prosper in the world. We know that Satan's a deceiver, but he shows us these things, and our mind can be distracted when we look at this. Why is it that I am that I'm living day to day, paycheck to paycheck, and that ungodly man across the street has every toy imaginable. He has everything that he seems that he wants. He's got his little house on the lake, and he's got his boats and his jet skis. And I'm over here serving the Lord day by day by day and just barely making it. I'm barely keeping the bills paid. This is the way our mind can work. They're successful in, world, in worldly things. Verse 8 through 11, he said they're blasphemous. They are corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, as people return hither, and waters of full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Self-confident. I was, just, I was just looking at this and reading it, and it can, if we allow it, discourage us. It can distract us. It can cause us to be like Asaph and say, I was jealous. I had, I was all, my feet were almost gone. My steps were close to slipping because I'm looking at what they have 
And my mind is thinking I could have those things too. You know what? If I didn't go to church on Sunday morning, I could work another day, and I could buy that jet ski. <laughs> I could have the zero-turn mower that they have across the street that goes so fast and is, looks, looks so comfortable. These are the way, this is the way our mind works. We look across and we see what they have, and we become discontent. Asaph says, listen, this had almost caused me to fall. So the wicked prosper, question mark. Number two, the wicked are judged. Verse 18 through 20 speaks of the end of these. And, and he says, he said, I looked at all of this. And when I thought to know it, verse 16, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. He said, I was looking around at the world and I saw everything they had and it was painful for me. I was getting pretty depressed until I went back and focused on God. Until I got my mind back and my eye back where it was supposed to be. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. You know, David writes in, in, in Psalms, he asked God to destroy the wicked, to, to take them out of the way, those that are his enemies. I don't see this with Asaph, and I'm not saying David's wrong. Please don't misunderstand me. Asaph looks at this, and I believe David had the same heart. He looked at them with compassion instead of jealousy. When I got my mind off of the possessions and the so-called success and everything that looks so appealing to the flesh, and I focused back on their end, when I got my heart and mind back on God, then I could see where they were really going. Then I could understand their end. Surely... Thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into this desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. I read that, and it, it's amazing to me. Their end is sure. The wicked are going to be judged. We know this from the Word of God. Their end is, is sure unless they repent. Unless they turn to God, this is their end. I, I was thinking on the statement, they are utterly consumed with terrors. They are utterly consumed with terrors. One of, my, one of my fears in life is to have an empty, vain life. To me, what a pointless thing it would be to go through life and not, a, not amount to anything for the Lord. And I look at the lost and I, and I wonder how they go day by day by day. What drives a person that doesn't know the Lord. Because they're, they're just assuming at the end of the life, that's it. So when they stop at the end, what can they look back on and have any satisfaction in? Or day by day by day, where is their, where is their purpose? This says they're consumed with terrors. I, I see that as, as that emptiness and that vanity in life. There's nothing going to ever satisfy the wicked. Bill Gates is not satisfied this morning. The man is highly intelligent. The man has, has accomplished much in this life. And he has, uh, he's, he's like the 10th wealthiest person in the world right now, somewhere in that range. As I was studying this, I, I looked up the richest men in the world. <laughs> this, I wanted to find some quotes from them. I wanted to see something that they said. 
but I didn't take enough time to do all of that. I, I just, I looked at who it was. The wealthiest man in the world is Elon Musk. $246 billion or something like that. The top 200 wealthiest people in the world are billionaires, and I didn't go on past that. I don't know how many are billionaires. But I was just thinking about Bill Gates. The man has done a lot of stuff. He's highly intelligent. But he has no, no peace. I can get angry at him. I don't like some of the things he's done. He's, he's trying to develop an, a drug, a shot, that will, in his words, block the part of our mind that believes in spiritual things. So we will just focus on reality because he says that, that the spiritual life is all fantasy and it takes us away from what is true. He's, the man is deceived. He's doing some wicked things. Now, God will laugh at the devices of man. He's never going to succeed. But I have pity on him as well. He's utterly consumed with terrors. I can look at him and say, boy, it would be something to drive the vehicles that man drives. But can I have compassion on him knowing that his life is vain? It's amazing is Asaph says, when I looked upon them, Verse 21, thus was my heart grieved and I was pricked in my reins. I was ashamed of myself. When I got to thinking about what I was looking at and what I was focusing on, now I am ashamed of the things that have been going on. That I was this close to falling into the trap of the world. He said, I, was, I saw their end. My heart was grieved. I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant I was as a beast before thee. He says, Lord, I was as a beast before you. I'm selfish. I'm consumed with the things of this world, even angry at God. Can it make you angry when you see the, the wicked succeed? I've had that emotion. Kill him, Lord. How can this keep going? Stop this. Don't you see what's going on? And somehow I get this idea in my mind that I know something he doesn't know. <laughs> get overconfident, get selfish, and I get consumed with anger. Therefore I am ashamed. He, he says, I, I'm grieved, I'm pricked in my reins. Now go with me to Second Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Six through eleven. <coughs> Very familiar passage. Verse six is is where we all ought to live. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We don't need any of the stuff that the world has. We need godliness. And that is great gain. And that is success. And that is purpose and, and, and fulfillment. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having fruit and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich, those that look around... Asaph said he was almost to this point. Fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, 
which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. We are to look around and see that this desire, this lust for other things causes us to fall. Asaph said I was close. It was that, that close, well nigh slipped until I went to the house of God, until he focused back on godliness, had some contentment in the things of God. I know most of you pretty well here, and I know that none of you desire riches. Thank you. But the distraction is always there. And, and the, the testimony then is ruined. I, I look at these things and I, I look at what Asaph is saying back in Psalm 73. And he was looking at the world and, and coveting after those things. And he said, I was as a beast before thee. My life was not what it should have been. My focus was not what it should have been. My testimony was not what it should have been. The wicked are going to be judged. So let's look at what we can do. And he says in verse 28, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, not that He can have anything, I love, I love the way he ends this chapter. Not, not that he can be even um, happy. It's not about Asaph now. It was the beginning of the chapter, but now it is that I may declare all thy works. And I looked at this chapter and I thought, what does my life declare? What does my life proclaim? Verse 23 Going back up, he says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me up by my right hand. He's speaking to the Lord. I was a beast before thee. Nevertheless, you held me up. Nevertheless, you are always there with me. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all of them that go a-whoring from thee. It is good for me to draw near to God, that I have, put, I have put my trust in the Lord, that I may declare all thy works. My life should declare a few things. My life should proclaim a few things. Number, verse 24 says that he is my guide. He is my guide. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, that I look to him for my direction. Does my life say that? Does it show in my walk with, with God to those around me? You know what? This man, this woman relies on the Word of God. 
when something comes up and they don't know what to do, they're on their knees and they're praying. I know where they're going to go when they have a decision to make. I know who they depend upon. The world can know that about us. They can know our faith when they know that we could depend upon the counsel of God. I've used this, I've told this, but I, I've thought about it with my parents and their house burning. When the neighbor came and said, why aren't you upset? How are you smiling? You've just lost all of this stuff in your house. And my dad said, because God's in control. Because he is my counselor. When I have these difficulties, I go to him. I've spent time with the Lord this morning, and I know that he's in control. He is my counselor. That's what my life is to proclaim. As I look around the world, and they're all consumed with terrors, they can see a difference in me. When I was a kid, we lived on a ranch. And uh, as a little kid, you, you never appreciate what you have when you have it. So we lived on this ranch, way back away from the road, nobody, nobody near us. We, we lived on a creek right in a valley, and uh, some of you that have lived in Cheyenne won't understand this, but there is beauty in Wyoming. And, uh, and <laughs> this place was, was right out of a John Wayne movie. It was, it was incredible. The barns were 100 years old. They had logs like this big that they had built the, the barns out of. And we were right along the Sabeel Creek, and behind us was the Rocky Mountains. And we had this ideal little spot to live. And as a little kid, I got to ride horses, I got to shoot BB guns, I got to do all of this stuff, go swim in the creek whenever mom and dad would allow. We had all of this stuff, but we didn't have a lot of earthly possessions. So I had toys, but I would go to a friend's house in Laramie, Wyoming, and we'd go in their basement. And they had every action figure you could ever think of. I looked around that house and they had toys galore. And I thought, man, these guys have the best life ever. And I was so jealous of them. And uh, we grow up. We haven't seen them in a while. We come back together. I'm in my 20s. This guy's in his 20s. My brother's there with us. And he goes, I was so jealous of you guys. You guys had it all. You had it made out there on the ranch. You could ride any time you wanted. And I thought, I just didn't appreciate what I had. And I wonder sometimes, when I'm not getting my counsel from God, if I forget what I have, and the world can, cannot see it. If they can see what I have, all of that riches that they have, will not be good enough. They're going to be looking and saying, that man has something that I don't have. He has counsel that I don't have. My life can show him the vanity in his. But we forget what we have. And our life does not show the counsel of God. How about that he's my companion? Verse 25, Who have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. I have the creator of the universe, as my companion, as my friend. Chapter 4 of Acts, go with me there, would you, if you would, please. Acts 4.13, there's something evident in, a, in 
in this verse. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. <laughs> I love that, that statement. <laughs> it was perceived that these two were unlearned, ignorant men. These, these guys are not scholars. right? They're not coming here with eloquent speeches and they don't, they don't, uh, they don't know how to stand up and present themselves professionally. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That's an amazing statement. Here's here's what Peter and John's life proclaimed. I've been with Jesus. My companion is, is God. The Lord is my instructor and my guide and my friend, my close companion. We don't need anything else. We don't need... Anything the world has when we have a friendship with God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Isn't it strange that he says in this verse, Let your life be without covetousness. Don't get focused on the things of this life. Don't worry about the things that the wicked have or that is available on the world. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, for Christ has said, for God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. <laughs> he is enough. That should be my focus. He is my companion. Does my life show this? You know what? If I am striving for the next thing, if I say i got to have something, it's going to show in my life. If there's not godliness with contentment, it's going to show in my life. But if He is my companion and that is my strength, then it's going to show. Then my testimony will be such that the wicked will look and say that man has something. Back in our passage, he's our portion. He's our portion, verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The things of this life are difficult. My flesh and my heart faileth. I, I am weak and struggling here. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion. He lifts me up. He's, he's all that I really need. Well, with me to First Chronicles chapter 19. First Chronicles 19. <coughs> 19, 10 through 13 says this. Now when Job saw that the battle was set against him before and behind, He chose out of all the choice of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians and all the rest of the people he delivered into in the hand of Abishai and his brother. And they set themselves in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will help thee. 
be of good courage and let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people and for the city of our God and let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. <laughs> I love the, this, this, this scenario. The battle is too much for them, but let God do that which is good in his sight. The strength is not in, in the men here. It's not in the hand of Abishai. It's not, it's not according to the army. It's according to God. So if I live this way, he's my portion. Let God do that which is good in his sight. That's relying on his strength. That's trusting in God. My life will show it. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, 1 through 11. This is such a powerful passage to me. As, as Jesus is praying to the Father and He's praying for us, it's an amazing thing to me. How much power is there available for us when, when Jesus Christ Himself is praying to the Father? There's, there's, there's immeasurable impact in this prayer. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also, also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is, eternal, is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. I have, made, I have manifest Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me out of the world. Thine were they, or they were, and Thou gavest them me, and they have kept Thy word. Now they have known all things whatsoever Thou hast given me are of Thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me, or send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. All are my, all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. And you could go on reading in this passage. As I read this, it's, it's, an, amazing, it's an amazing prayer to me. He is my portion. Jesus says, keep those which are thine. Keep those which you have given to me. He's praying to Almighty God <laughs> that, that you will do these things. Now, we know that if we pray according to the will of the Father, those prayers are answered. I also know that Jesus never prayed against the will of His Father. So He's saying right there that God is going to keep those that are His. More than just assurance of my salvation, which is in John chapter 10, I'm in the Father's hand, nothing can take me out. But more than that, He's going to be my portion, my strength, day by day by day. I don't need the things of this world. My testimony needs to be that my strength is in my Father. 
My testimony to the world is that my strength comes from Him. So what, no matter what comes, my dependence is on Him. He is my portion. Looking and thinking about this passage, Asaph said, I want to be testifying of you. I want to declare all thy works. And I, I want my life to proclaim that he is my all in all. My life is going to proclaim something. Your life is going to proclaim something. It is proclaiming something today. The conversations that I have with people around me, do I, do I glorify my Father or do I say, well, it's been a pretty rough year. And I go and I describe to them all the things that have gone wrong. And is my demeanor that of one who is discouraged and, and angry and defeated? I wonder sometimes what my face looks like when I walk around. My facial expression. Do I look like I want to kill you? Sometimes. Because my focus isn't on God. If my life, my mind is focused on Him, I'm not going to have this countenance that looks like the world is just falling on my shoulders. I'm going to proclaim His goodness. I'm going to proclaim that He is my portion, my strength, my companion, and my counsel. That He is my all in all. That should be the, the proclamation of our life. He's, Asaph said, my feet were almost gone. I was, I was close to slipping, well nigh slipped. I had almost fallen until I looked back to God. Then my life was focused on Him. Then I said, it is good for me to draw near to God. I've put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. I titled the message, Until I Went. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Our life will be that of jealousy, of bitterness, of anger, if we're not in the presence of God. Until I go into His sanctuary and I look back on Him, and then I can be proclaiming that He is my all in all. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for our time this morning. Thank You for this passage and the testimony of Asaph. What an what a, what a, uh, example to us. Lord, we are all susceptible to this thought that the world has something that is appealing. Lord, help us to keep our hearts and minds stayed on you. Lord, if there's discouragement, if there's, if there's anger, bitterness, or covetousness in any heart this morning, or pride, convict us of that sin. Father, help us to humble ourselves before you and to come into your sanctuary and focus our heart and mind on you. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning, um, what does your life proclaim? What does it say to those around you?